Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Forza Athletics podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferna, uh, where at Forza Athletics, we focus on uh, working with high school, collegiate, post-collegiate throwers with a focus on the hammer, the weight throw, discus shot put, and the occasional javelin thrower. Uh, today is July 22nd, and like I said, this is our second podcast. Thank you for everyone uh, coming back who uh, may have listened to our pilot uh, episode. Uh, it was pretty pretty cool. It was fun for me to uh, to talk and share my thoughts and uh, generate some conversation on uh, the internet as well. Uh, some of my previous athletes reached out to me from uh, Fredonia and mentioned that they thought it was pretty cool that I spent a little bit of time talking about them. Uh, in regards to uh, my coaching career and how we got started at Fredonia together. Um, So for today's episode, what I wanted to touch base on is uh, something that I started discussing in the first episode was the the idea of coaches as experts. Now, I uh, I graduated in May uh, with my uh, doctorate in executive leadership, and since then I've had a lot of time to uh, read, uh, more spend more time pleasure reading, if you will. Um, and one of uh, a new book that I came across is called "Coaching for Performance" by John Whitmore. Uh, Growing human potential and purpose: the principles and practice of coaching and leadership. Now, uh, I found this book. Actually, I came across this book. When I was reading an article on um, developing mental toughness in elite level athletes based in Europe, so the coaching model that uh, these particular authors implemented was a coaching model that's found in in John Whitmore's book on coaching for performance. And one of the interesting pieces that I came across uh, really struck a chord with me was uh, one specific paragraph on page 42 in John's book where he speaks uh, to the notion of coaches as experts. So he writes, does a coach need to have experience or technical knowledge in the area in which he is coaching? And he says the answer is no. Not if the coach is truly acting as a detached um, awareness raiser. Now, this book uh, has a focus um, on business and leadership. So that's where uh, John's coming from, I believe, is that uh, to be a consultant in some type of business or industry, uh, you don't need to necessarily be an expert, but you need to be able to uh, understand the situation and be able to use best practices and guidance when working with whoever your your client is. So you wouldn't necessarily have to be the expert in uh, creating widgets, but you may uh, want to be the expert or have more expertise and well we sold a thousand widgets last month this month we're going to try and sell two thousand widgets so I think you get the idea so uh, the the idea like I said of the coach's expert um, that paragraph really struck a chord with me and I posted it on my Instagram page uh, my personal Instagram page uh, at Charles Inferna and really I just I, I wanted to get the um, opinions of other uh, coaches or athletes um, that that may have may have came across that or may have uh, saw that Instagram post, and uh, one person, one coach, 
a very well-respected coach um, that uh, commented was Judd Logan. And he posted something to the notion of um, some of the best uh, technical pole vault coaches in the world never competed in the pole vault. Or if they did, they weren't very good. So there's one example of uh, a highly technical event, the pole vault in track and field, uh, where your elite level competitors might not transition as well to to being coaches. However, somebody who has the, the background knowledge and maybe the technical expertise, but never actually competed in the event, if they're able to relay that information um, and that knowledge and provide their athletes the technical skill set that they need to achieve um, their goals or whatever they're working towards in the pole vault, let's say, um, then, then that would be uh, better able to, to be possible. Uh, excuse the, uh, the terminology there, but I guess what, uh, what I'm trying to say is if you're able to convey a message to your athletes and you're able to maybe create a sense of urgency uh, in your athletes and you're able to work with them and you're able to express to them what you want them to do, uh, regardless of if you have the actual practical hands-on experience, uh, you might have some, you might achieve some some success. And there's two um, two real uh, interesting people that I've met in my life that I've come across that were not um, technical experts in the way of actually competing in the events and in their respective sports, uh, but they were able to have very promising. Well, they did have promising, and they also had very successful. Uh, coaching careers. And I have to start back with uh, SUNY Fredonia. Uh, when I was at Fredonia, uh, my freshman through sophomore year, we did not have uh, a swimming and diving, uh, diving team. Uh, but then uh, my senior year, 03 04, uh, we reinstituted the swimming and diving program at Fredonia. And the diving coach who came to uh, work at the college was a gentleman by the name of John Crawford. Now, John Crawford was the swimming and diving coach at SUNY Fredonia in the 80s and early 90s when when the program originally started its first inception. And uh, in talking with uh, Coach Crawford, my wife was one of his athletes. Uh, My wife was a diver at Fredonia. And in, in talking with Coach Crawford, uh, whenever uh, we are able to get back to Fredonia, it's really interesting um, that I didn't know up until a couple years ago, Coach Crawford had never swam and he had never dove in his life. Uh, so in the early 80s, um, he was presented the opportunity to be the first swimming and diving coach at SUNY Fredonia, and he took the position. And through the decade of the 80s, Coach Crawford coached uh, multiple um, all Americans and all of the swimming events. Uh, I don't have, I don't know all of them offhand, but he coached numerous all Americans, uh, fifty free, hundred free, uh, butterfly, backstroke, um, at at Fredonia, having never swam before in his life competitively, um, and then with the the diving portion, um, in the early 2000s, like I said, when he came back to coach just divers, uh, he coached uh, a slew of All-Americans, and he's actually actually coached uh, a national champion 
um, in 2009, the same year that Julia Hobson was an All-American uh, national champion in the 20-pound weight throw for SUNY Fredonia. Uh, a week after Julia won her national championship, Kelly Sponholtz won her national championship. So in the span of a week, Fredonia never had any national champion female athletes, uh, and in, in the span of seven days, they had two. And Kelly was coached by Coach Crawford, who never dove before. Uh, but I remember talking to him uh, a couple times about uh, watching video, attending clinics, talking to other coaches, um, and really and really getting the, the technical skill set uh, from really just, just discussing it with other individuals. The buy-in, however, came, I think, is just my opinion, uh, from the success that he had previously. Um, you know, SUNY Fredonia, it's a small, small college, uh, part of the state system in, in New York. Um, so it's really not um, a crazy hotbed for swimming and diving. However, the athletes that, that Coach Crawford gets, um, he's had multiple, like I said, multiple All-Americans, um, uh, All-American uh, divers over the course of the last 10 years or so. Uh, so he, he, as Judd Logan said, um, he does not have the actual playing experience, if you will, uh, but he's able to generate um, success uh, with his athletes just by, like I said, going to clinics, being able to relay the information that he, he took from clinics uh, and other coaches and uh, provide that information to his athletes. Another person uh, from SUNY Fredonia also is actually a Darian Barr. He was my coach my senior year at Fredonia. He was my throwing coach uh, and our head coach. And um, I was very apprehensive about having him uh, come on and be um, my throwing coach as well. The throwing coach that I had the previous three years, uh, he was a national champion, multiple-time All-American in the hammer and weight throw. Uh, And I'd worked with him, like I said, my first three years. Uh, And then we had a head coaching change. Um, and then coach did not come back. Uh, so Adarian took over and he told me in one meeting in August on campus that he was going to coach me. And like I said, I was really apprehensive about it. So I did some background, uh, work on coach barge, kind of learn a little bit more about who he was. Um, because we, we weren't involved in the interview process or anything like that. So I come to find out coach bar, uh, long jumped and triple jumped at the 1996 and the 2000 Olympic trials. So once I found that out, I was hooked. I, I, I don't know what it was about the, you know, having competed at the highest level. Um, you know, he didn't make the Olympics or any world championship teams, but he was good enough to uh, jump at uh, the, the most difficult meet there is in the United States, the Olympic trials. So once I uh, found out, like I said, that I found that he uh, competed there, uh, my, my perceptions of him changed and that I knew that he knew what it took to get to that next level. And I was not a very good competitor in college. I, uh, I never threw the hammer 50 meters uh, or, the sh- or the shot put 50 feet or the discus 50 meters or anything like that. I was just an average thrower with a goal of trying to win at least one conference championship uh, while I was enrolled in college. And 
Coach Barr and I, we, we put the uh, plan together. I uh, was student teaching, so practice times were um, uh, were later in the evening. They were actually we were we were by ourselves. Um, I didn't have any other teammates that were willing to practice at seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. Uh, so we practiced in the evening. We worked out uh, after we practiced, and uh, I ended up winning one conference championship in the hammer, uh, which. Um, after I found out that I had won, uh, I ran over to him and thanked him for everything that he had done for me. And he never, uh, threw the hammer, uh, in college or after college, uh, but he knew enough about the event to prepare me well enough to compete at my highest level or at the best, uh, you know, the best ability that I could have, uh, that day. So he's not necessarily an expert, in the sense of coaching throwers, uh, he's more uh, an expert in coaching uh, long jumpers and triple jumpers. He had great, uh, great success uh, coaching those athletes at the the previous college that uh, he was at. But I was able to I, I trusted him. I felt that um, he had my best interests at heart. Um, we communicated well. I definitely had the buy-in uh, because of his past competitive experience, even though it wasn't, um, uh, throwing. Uh, so for me, um, this is a little bit about, uh, this podcast here in regards to coaches as experts. Um, I'm going to try and talk to more coaches who are, have had great success with their, um, athletes and, and of sports that maybe they never, um, participated in. Uh, I, I played, basketball in high school, but I was never, I was not very good. Um, I don't know how well of a, how good of a coach I would be. I'm not sure what um, high school athletes uh, think about that. That'll be something that I spend time talking about in episode three, where uh, I actually asked athletes what they thought, what, what were they most interested in when um, hiring or we're looking for a weightlifting and throwing coach. And I know I talked a little bit about the results that only 51% of the people thought that um, they would hire a coach based on past athlete successes. And we didn't really talk too much about what those um, successes are. Um, you know, just setting a personal best, winning a conference championship, uh, being an All-American, just qualifying for nationals. You know, what exactly defines uh, that success and are there uh, other coaches out there that did not uh, participate in the sports that they're coaching in right now that have had great success? Um, you know, if there if there's anybody out there, you know, once this uh, podcast episode is posted, you know, maybe we can start some conversation about how do we elicit buy-in from from our athletes uh, if we're coaching a sport that we never competed in uh, ourselves. You know, I never played football, so it'd probably be difficult for me to try and get buy-in from my from my football players if they knew that I didn't play the sport. Or maybe there wouldn't maybe maybe there wouldn't be difficulty in developing that buy-in. I'm not really sure. It's something that, that hopefully we'll be able to talk to other athletes and coaches about and that how how do we how do we get that buy-in? How do we get our athletes to believe in us if they know that we possibly uh, never competed in the sport that we're helping them uh, get better at? 
So that's it for episode two. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, listening in on uh, my SUNY Fredonia stories with Coach Crawford, coaching multiple All-Americans and a national champion swimmer, uh, uh, All-Americans and national champion diver after ever, never having competed in the um, swimming and diving as, as an athlete. And about my, my coach, Coach Barr, who was a world-class long jumper and triple jumper, not a thrower, but he was able to get buy-in from me uh, to believe in him and believe in his system to help uh, take me to the next level. So thank you very much for listening tonight to our episode of uh, episode two of the Forza Athletics podcast. Have a great day.